around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a Star Trek Discovery podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, we have a lovely and talented guest here with us today. It's Danielle Radford from the Titan Fights podcast. Oh, hello. What is this? A crossover? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Marvel Infinity War is the biggest crossover event in history. Me this see look this is what happens when it's max fun uh when it's max fun drive week yeah it sure is uh speaking of max fun drive week this is the max fun drive we're putting out a second uh greatest discovery episode in the midst of the max fun drive because we just cannot let it rest uh danielle you uh you host a show on maximum fun i do i talk about westland (laughs) (laughs) uh uh what is uh what does the max fun drive mean to you um, you know, it, it's Max Fun has given us. I didn't a mean really, to bring you over. No, to, no, no. To pledge I actually break, but. <laughs> no. This makes me super happy because there, just like with any fandom, and y'all know, there can be very toxic elements to the wrestling fandom, and because of Max Fun for Titan Fights, we have been able to foster a community that is incredibly inclusive, and it's the place for people who, you know, when something terrible happens with wrestling or when fans are super toxic, they can go, hey, that's not all of us. I have this own little special pocket. We have a carve out. Yeah. Yeah, we have a place for us where we can go. And yeah, we might talk about who we ship and our thirst traps, but like (laughs) respectfully. Yeah. Um, And it's a place where you're going to go where just like everyone else who listens to Max Fun and supports Max Fun, it's just going to be like a bunch of very sweet people. Um, You're not going to get any of that like weird toxic masculinity. You're not going to get any kind of weird body shaming. You're not going to get any kind of weird thoughts about like the LGBT community or anything like that. Like it's just a really supportive place for people who love a really problematic sport. (laughs) (laughs) I think Star Trek maybe suffers from a little bit less of the toxic fandom thing, but it's not totally without that. And one thing oh, we ben, hear from... Oh, uh, Ben, check your Twitter mentions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but one thing we, we do hear from like the people in the Greatest Gen and Greatest Discovery Facebook groups and the subreddit and stuff is like, God, like the internet is so... Is so devastating to be on so much of the time, and this is just a positive place. Isn't it nice? Max Fun related internet things just feel like a brain internet vacation. Yeah, it's really like do. that's where you you know every day all day long you're in the regular old workaday internet, and then you get to go <laughs> on vacation and hang out in the sun where it's cool and people aren't dicks. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, well, uh, we'll be doing uh, a pledge break in a bit to tell you about gifts you can get in the Max Fun Drive. But if you feel like the show has had a positive effect in your life, if it's something you look forward to and you can spare, you know, like the uh, uh, Jordan Morris on Jordan Jesse Go was saying, you tip your bartender a buck or two every every time you order a drink. If you If you feel like... Uh, this is one beer worth of fun every every week when you uh, when you hear an episode. Consider going to maximumfun.org slash donate and contributing, and make sure you check off Titan Fights as uh, as you select your shows because Titan Fights is great. Boy, Thank oh boy, you. Ben! Uh, lately, our show has felt like six beers of fun. Every <laughs> That's because you drink six beers per episode. <laughs> that that was really the joke behind the joke there. Uh, oh well, I, uh, you're the Bella Caroli of my of my joke <laughs> gymnastics. <laughs> Thanks for uh, the spot. Hey, don't worry about it, Adam. I like to name the game, uh, as they say <laughs> in improv. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 What the hell is going on on this ship? Ship. The slightest idea. Now, Danielle, what's your Star Trek history? What's your entry point in the Trek 
universe? Um, well, I started with Deep Space Nine back when it first came out because wow. I am of NH. Um, and I was like, Black <laughs> Captain, Black Captain, <laughs> Black Captain, my captain. And so, <laughs> and so I got very, um, I was very excited. And then after watching that, I was like, well, you know, I got to go back and, and watch that next generation. Yeah. Um, and so I did. And that was where I fell in love with it. And my mom was a huge fan of the original series as well. Yeah. And so that would be something that once we, I, I started getting, you know, my, my folks, all of my family members are deep, deep into sci-fi. Wow. They won't admit it. <laughs> <laughs> they feel better about admitting it now that talking about being a nerd is how I pay my rent. They're like, okay, yeah, I guess we about what nerds we are. <laughs> um, but so she was very excited that she could share that with me. And then she, they, they, her and my stepdad, whom I love, tried to get me on Babylon 5 and I was like, too far. Nah, dog. <laughs> <laughs> too too far. Not doing it. Although I do love uh, J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, he had a really good Spider-Man run um, up until that weird stuff with Gwen Stacy. Oh man, that I'm not, I'm got not... very specific. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> One thing that became immediately clear to me the moment I met you is that you know, like ten times or maybe a hundred times about as much about pop culture as I do. So you will you will just rip off a reference and I'll be like, wow, I am sure that is super meaningful. Yeah, that means something to someone. Yeah. Not sure who. We but... call them, we call them two percenters here on the show. Um that's super interesting that Deep Space Nine was your was your on ramp because like Deep Space Nine was something I I had to get used to as a as a prior TNG fan. Right, because it is so completely. I mean, talk about being on a vacation. <laughs> just like oh, we're just uh, we're just hanging out here in space. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's uh, we're all like good people that get along by default, and we don't hate each other. Yeah, and... it, it's weird to watch what is essentially the love boat in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that SNL sketch was not far off. Not was it? far at all. <laughs> Love, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Pacific Princess. Let's talk about disco. Like, what did? Uh, how did you? How did you like this first season? I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think we talked a little bit about this when we were in the Grand Canyon. Um, but one thing I appreciated is that. I enjoy that we get to see kind of this gap between what the Federation is and what humanity became. Right. And back when we're still really like young as a species and stupid and horrible. <laughs> and so we get to see our, you know, I, I appreciate that, you know, they're giving some time and some air to this period of us learning to be good as a species. Right. Like the, uh, in TNG, we have established ourselves as a benevolent force in the galaxy, <laughs> but but at this point, we're still like yeah. And looking at us now, it's like how would we have ever, <laughs> Roddenberry? Well, you so cute. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that we're in the mirror universe. <laughs> yeah, oh, clearly. Or or like the adolescence of humanity just happens to last like hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> right. Like it's a puberty that just doesn't stop. It is very interesting to watch humanity's growing pains through the lens of this new series. Yeah, that's interesting. That you're the first person that I've talked to that is like pretty uh, g giving a pretty full throated thumbs up to the prequelness of it. Like I yeah, feel like I a lot of people that. have been sad about that. The other things still exist, my dudes, and they keep <laughs> trying to give us new Star Trek that's set in a later time, and y'all don't watch it. <laughs> so like. <laughs> Y'all ain't watch Captain J. You know what I mean? Like you got you don't watch it. So I'm they a have big to fan keep... of Voyager personally. Island. But like yeah, <laughs> so watch things and they'll give us more of maybe the stuff that you want. Yeah, and and it seems like this series has succeeded in getting an audience. It seems like it's a good enough series that if it wasn't on CBS All Access, it would be a Westworld or Game of Thrones level success. I agree. I I. I said it when they announced it that like it's such a dumb move yeah. to restrict something, especially something that has a budget like this. This isn't like five assholes sitting around a coffee table or whatever <laughs> and like running in and out of rooms as the George Carlin bit goes. Like this isn't that. This isn't something where you only need like like this is it's a huge undertaking. Right. And so to potentially limit your viewer base uh, in such a way for something that is so expensive just seems really it, it seems like it, it comes from a perspective of of not having a ton of confidence right away like you limit your exposure to failure by making it a subscription model thing if they 
if they launched the show on CBS and kept it on CBS, like basic cable success is such a different scale than subscription model success, I think. And they sort of ensured a victory here by going in the direction they did. And I get it for, for a risk averse, uh, type of business the way and that, CBS that media is especially is risk averse right yeah right. you can tell that by their programming it's <laughs> how it's many Tom things. Selleck shows can we get all of them <laughs> he's just a license to print money you guys what is it Big Bang Theory is on its third decade now right there's young children now they have old children as well is yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's Tom Selleck in the role of Sheldon yeah, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's gonna be real interesting if that young Sheldon thing works to the point where eventually he's just thirty, and it's like he could have. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just the Big Bang Theory. They just start redoing Big Bang Theory episodes. It's a soft reboot. They start doing like subtle plastic surgery interventions to make the kid age into the actor. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get that Adam's apple just first. so that it's like perfect continuity, like the the thirty eight seasons line up perfectly, and you can never <laughs> tell when when <laughs> one switches over to the other. <laughs> That's all you need. You just need that Sheldon. I guess they could probably do that with like uh, with like uh, Benjamin Button technology. They don't need to actually yeah. do surgery on the poor guy. They can just throw a face over his face. Just yeah. do an Instagram filter. <laughs> Speaking of hardcore plastic surgery, guys, that's a championship pivot right there. Back oh. in the show. Think about <laughs> it. Uh, Danielle, how early on in Discovery were you hip to the idea of the... Uh, Ash is Vogue situation. You know, I'm pretty TV savvy and I will say like, maybe I just wasn't, I don't expect that kind of like, I, I I guess because this is such a different kind of Star Trek show, like I wasn't necessarily expecting Mm -hmm. any kind of like big twisty things. Um, So it just didn't, it didn't really hit me at all. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was pretty, and I, I, it is, like, I've read TV tropes, I know what's going on, man, sure. yeah. but I just wasn't really expecting it. and that's another, you know, it, it's, that's another way in which Star Trek Discovery is so different from a lot of the Treks that we're used to. In that season one, chapter one, end episode, when they took the break and uh, took a couple of months off, like, we got... I'd say like maybe the most criticism we've gotten on this show was how we interpreted his discussion of like what happened to him in the torture Interesting. environment yeah. because Adam and I both, you know, at that point it would like the reveal had not happened that Ash and Voke were right. one and the same. And, and there were a lot of, uh, a lot of people in our audience that felt like we overlooked him talking about having been raped in prison and we were like oh like we definitely read that as like he is not ash tyler and he is remembering other shit right uh or i don't even i don't even know if that's like a great summary of like what we were interpreting that as but we definitely didn't interpret it as a rape scene right and and i think that like there were people who like were kind of triggered by it honestly like who felt who felt like really bad feelings watching that and having having that just kind of like having us breeze past it. Like, how did you read that scene in the time? And and I know that like you watched this months and months ago. So yeah, no, I forgive, did. I did like, I did go back can't and remember and... exactly what your reaction was. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know that I necessarily read it as that either, which, but then I started when, cause I, I'm also that kind of nerd. That's like, what do other nerds think? <laughs> and going online, I was like, Oh, then I had to like watch it again. I was like, Oh, yeah. Ooh, feels real bad. It does. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that could have been a turning point and made the show, like, really rugged and, and, like, deal with some much harsher shit that I don't know is necessarily the right thing for Trek to be doing. I, well, and, and... Trek has always talked about these huge societal issues. I do think that it's interesting because the idea of, prison rape is so often one that is treated when the media with humor right it's just it is a something joke. to be laughed yeah. at it is a punchline so um and very few instances are that you know there's like oz and stuff but there have been very few instances of um media and especially television actually handling that in a way that is like rape is bad as bad as bad as bad and prison yeah. rape is not a funny joke so I do think that, 
again, this is just something Trek has always done is right. kind of dealt with these. Now, granted, sometimes it's like a little more heavy handed with the way that it, it deals with race issues where, you know, it's like, oh, we're black aliens. Well, we're white aliens, but like literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, I don't. I But I do understand how it could be hard for some people to because it is kind of a heavy subject and sometimes you don't necessarily want that to mix with your sci-fi fantasy right. and with your utopian world. But again, uh, Discovery is not a utopia. Right. It really isn't. It's kind of amazing how much it isn't. I mean, like you can imagine that like Earth and Vulcan are pretty chill places to hang. But, like, there's still, like, terrorists on Vulcan. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, it, it, and Vulcan's pretty chill to hang if you're Vulcan. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> it, it really Pe- sucks if you're still, anyone else. Bay is still going to side-eye you if you don't have the pointy ears. Yeah, you need them ears, man. Yeah. It, it, you don't get to go to the good schools. Like, yeah. It makes me realize, like, I never... What is, like, the ghetto school on Vulcan? <laughs> like, yeah. what what school it, would, would, would Michael... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, she, does she go to, the, like, the, the school that's considered to be on the wrong side of the tracks? The one that, like, <laughs> doesn't get as much as much uh, fundraising in the in the bake sale and stuff? Yeah, like, it's still, it's still very nice and it's still very logical, but, like, maybe occasionally someone winces. Yeah. I bet it's like uh, ooh, dangerous. I I would love to see more of Spock and Michael's mother as a character because it that makes me realize like what a strong person she must be right. to live there. Right. Like, where's that series? <laughs> also, and this is weird, but sometimes uh, my brain goes weird places. The idea that later, at least movie Spock is totally hooking up with this black chick, yeah, and that he lived. Like Whoa. what was growth? It just it 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 gets real close to flash levels of I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Iris is your sister. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> You're married now. Whatever, Mary. Uh, <laughs> I never thought about that. I guess they're like this is prime universe and yeah, not this is prime Kelvin and universe, not... but they haven't bifurcated yet in the right. timeline. So nope. So that Spock presumably has the same. Adoptive I, you know, sister. If they do another, uh, if they do another Star Trek I, movie, I definitely want to see Spock's black ass sister. Right? I know. I love that <laughs> as a retcon. Yeah. You know, right? Like, <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, Spock's got a black ass sister. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like? Like you talked about, like Captain Cisco being really uh, like exciting for you. Like, what is it? What does it mean to you as a black woman to have a Trek series that is starring a black woman? It's huge. And I'm not going to lie, it did make me want to give it more of a chance than I would. <laughs> because I want it to work, man. Like, it's, I love this universe. And Star Trek has always been fantastic with how it has treated its actors of color. So there's always been something for, you know, all, any of their actors of color. There's always been something for them to do. Yeah. Trek has been amazing. From day one, like, that's what Star Trek does. One and thing that's in rewatching why- TNG that struck me a couple of times is, like, Worf and Jordy will just have a scene together, and it's not, like the brothers having right. a chat. Whereas it's like, a lot of TV shows in the 90s that would have been, and it might even have been, you know, oh, well, we can't put the two black folks in a scene where they're the only ones together because right. someone people flipping turn might off think this is a black show. Right, yeah. Turns so, out people love black shows. But it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People well, love black shit. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and like this, I feel like this series is also fun because they're taking it you know, they're taking it to a more contemporary level with the kind of inclusion stuff. Like the, like the characters are, are a more modern idea of what an inclusive kind of ship might look like, even than TNG was or, or Deep Space Nine. And, you know, I got to believe that this is what, this is the future Roddenberry wanted. Like, I have to believe that he always would have been like, heck yeah, man, put more stuff in, put in more of the things. Yeah. <laughs> Create an actual utopia on Earth. As Although long I do, as the I... females aren't main characters, I think he'd be all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, did, I did say, like, what I, I was uh, saying earlier before we started recording that when I was reading recaps to kind of refresh myself, I kept getting tripped up because... I kept reading like as little rel. <laughs> and so I just kept picturing little rel and it's like no, I've seen the series. Like that's not 
So I didn't know this actor's name, but the uh, the actor and comedian that plays the TSA agent in Get Out, and I guess he's also a character in Insecure, uh, is his he goes by the name Little Rel. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> man. He must be he must be tripping like that must be so weird for him. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would have to, it would be literally like if in the next Star Trek there was a character named Danielle Radford and it's like, oh, that's weird. Right. But it was like spelled in an alien way. It's not meant <laughs> to be the name Danielle. It's like there's like no vowels. Yeah, it's like a guy, and his name is Dan Yell Rad Ford. <laughs> and Ford has a Y in it for yeah, some reason. Yeah, Fjord. Fjord. <laughs> we talked a lot about how in in the last half of the show, she is really treated as as just a a story convenience a lot of the time. Like, right. she's locked up. She doesn't know what's going on. Occasionally, somebody will come in and be like, oh, by the way, we're in a different universe right now where the Klingons are on Team Vulcan. Anyways, uh, we found out that somebody's trying to blow up Kronos, and <laughs> here is the nuclear football. Now you're the leader of Kronos. Go forth. <laughs> right, no, she's like a MacGuffin as a person. Almost, yeah. She's like a person named MacGuffin. Which is weird, because she has a lot of agency in the first half. Right. Like, they kind of, I feel like they almost lost steam with what her deal is going to be. I, I'll be very interested to see if she is a character in season two right not oh, oh so not even just like a character with like function and that matters but like a right. character like period. do we like if she's like the chancellor of chronos or something like does right. does that factor into anything that happens in season two or do we just i, I, I mean i would i like to believe that there is a plan would hope so but Fingers i don't crossed. man i feel like every time i i i'm give credit to a TV show for having a plan. They it. <laughs> this show has defied that a few times that's, though. Yeah, like a lot true. of the time it seemed like, what the hell are they? Oh, that was cool. Oh, there you was know? a thing. They yeah. had a plan. They, they, they planned an arc like eight episodes in advance. Hey, look at that. I mean, I guess it's pretty easy when you've got the 15. Yeah. You're able, you're able to, right. There's like less chaff. Rewatching yeah. really illuminated that for me too, especially with regard to Laurel and, and, how she's in the background for a lot of episodes, but she's subtly, you know, in rewatching, you notice what she's doing. She's not in the center of the frame, but she's participating in a way that really rewards that second watch. And it made me, it gave me the kind of confidence you're talking about, Danielle, and that like they really are thinking of all this stuff throughout. They aren't making it up on, on the fly. Oh, I love that shit. Okay, I definitely have to. I'm scheduling another rewatch because, like, I'm now I'm gonna. I'll just call it the Laurel cut, where I'm just like <laughs> watching what she's doing in scenes. I've done that before, where someone has mentioned something about a character. I'm like, okay, well, now I'm just watching this. I'm gonna go back and just watch yeah. for this. I like uh, we both. I think on our first watch, like, did not even realize that it was the same Klingon lady that from episode to episode because we're so like unused to this version of the of the makeup, and it's like, is that maybe, maybe not? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I do love Laurel. Talk about a TSA agent name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I got an Aunt Laurel out in uh, <laughs> out in St. Louis. Sir, what is this? It's a microphone. I'm a podcaster what's your podcast about star trek <laughs> uh, <laughs> so a, a question i've honestly had to answer a couple of times um well what, let's talk about season two like what do we what do we hope to get out of it like are there storylines that you felt like you were interested in seeing uh brought back i and I think it's because I'm a fan of professional wrestling. Uh-huh. I have learned to let go and let God when it comes to things like this. Uh-huh. Because if you get really caught up in what you would like to see, all you are doing is setting yourself up for disappointment. Huh. And so I have learned to just let what happens happens and feel about it how I feel. Because as soon as I start like really putting my own expectations on it, then it it no matter what they do, your imagination is always going to be better than their final product. Because that's, that's just such how it a works. good nerd lesson, good nerd credo. Like we, Adam and I got interviewed about Discovery before it had come out. You remember that, Adam? We uh, I think it was like a Brooklyn. I don't know, Ben. We've been interviewed or? a lot. 
<laughs> of one of your many interviews? We have not been interviewed a lot, but like, I mean, we were both saying like, it sucks that it's a prequel. It sucks that it's about war. Like, I think, I think we were both pretty down on it and it kind of defied our expectations in the other direction. Right. I love going into something like that though. Like keeping expectations low is how it is like sort of the key to media happiness. I think. I am such a fan of keeping expectations low. Yeah. Yeah. So support our show, but you know, don't, don't uh, expect too much out of us. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep the bar nice and low where we can. Have we impressed you through the hundreds of episodes we've made as a, as a greatest gen property? (laughs) Did you come into it thinking we were dog shit? Maybe this is a good time to pivot to pledge break guys. Ooh, pledge break, pledge break, (laughs) pledge break. Uh, the, the honest truth is that this show costs money to make, um, and uh, and that is uh, something that we need we we need more of to cover its costs. Um, yeah, we, you might think that the network pays us. The network doesn't pay us. You do the listener. Like that's how we can afford to do this. The network is a uh, is a it serves a coordinating function, but uh, they're uh, they're not shelling out. They didn't buy our show. They. Uh, they helped us put it out, but they, you know, they don't have they don't have skin in the game, and we do. Like we have a a producer that uh, in in Rob Schulte that gets paid every time we make an episode. You know, we have costs like bandwidth and microphones, mm-hmm. and I had to give my dog a kong full of peanut butter so that he would be quiet while we recorded today. Peanut butter is so much, and this dog loves me so hard. <laughs> He's really torn between saying hi to Danielle and licking the peanut butter. but he, <laughs> Peanut butter he, one. He just edged over into peanut butter. That's fair. Peanut butter's great. Uh, yeah, like that's that's how all of these shows get made. We all get made with the support of all of our listeners, which is great because that also means that like we don't really have to shell for stuff that we don't care about. Right. I will do it, <laughs> but I don't have to do it. Yeah, like, I mean, we were talking a little bit before we sat down about like other work that we have have had or do we've have. both been laid off by the same place as it turns out yeah <laughs> so and like and media like, yeah media hashtag that content machine but um but you know like we're all in a position where we could go out and get jobs and do and create media and create content for companies that we don't necessarily believe in and about things that we don't necessarily believe in but with tights and fights and with greatest discovery and greatest generation and friendly fire, we are making things that we're actually passionate about. And, um, and it shows, I swear y'all can tell the difference. Yeah. I, yeah, seriously. (laughs) Like, like it shows when people care about what they're talking about and, and when they care about their audience in the way that the people do in the max fun community, because you guys are so good at supporting the things that you're into. And it's, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm still into sincerity. Yeah. And there is no one more sincere than the Max Fun audience. I love doing that. Like, we you know, I joke about making content, but like, I love making episodes of stuff for y'all. Fucking A. Because y'all love it and appreciate it more than most of the 21 companies I work for. <laughs> <laughs> you guys really appreciate when we put the work out and that kind of sincerity and enthusiasm is, it means everything. So it is MaximumFun.org slash donate to support the show on a monthly level. You pick a level that works for you. Adam, what do people get at the $5 a month level? Well, uh, at the $5 a month level, you get access to the support feed, which has hundreds of episodes at this point of of extra content, bonus episodes that that we've made, bonus episodes of Tights and Fights, bonus episodes of, of every Maximum Fun show is on there. Ooh, what's your favorite bonus episode you guys made? I, you know, it honestly might be the greatest discovery bonus episode this year for me because we did uh, we went back and watched the mirror mirror episode of the original series. Oh, that's fun! Yeah, and like Adam and I are neither of us is terribly conversant in the original series, so it was very like it was very fresh for us. But we uh, we had a lot of fun watching it, and we had a lot of fun talking about it. Uh, what did what did uh, tights and fights do this year? Oh man, we had a sing along episode. We <laughs> we break into song a lot. I yeah. mean, we can't help it. You have me, and I'm super goofy, um, and I love breaking out into song for no good reason. You've got Hal Lublin, who is like king of voices and also a voice actor, and then we have 
critically acclaimed rapper Mike Eagle. And so when you get the three of us into a room together, that is a triple threat right we're there. just going to start singing. And so <laughs> one of our bonus episodes last year for The Drive, we did a sing-along episode where we did a bunch of like themes, like wrestling themes that people uh, wanted. And then we did some other ones. Um, I believe that we, we've always done that where we just bust into song, but I think it, it started a couple of years ago um, when the podcast was still new and we did a Royal Rumble episode and Hal was very sad because he didn't get to see the thing that he wanted from the wrestler he wanted. Uh-huh. And I just started slowly singing, um, uh, not into the road, um, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, <laughs> like under him while he was talking about the sad thing. And then Mike joined in and then he, we ended with all oh, of us. So you guys it. were hitting the harmonies and everything. Mike was hitting the harmonies. Damn. I was not, uh, but he is a professional music man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I talk about, and I talk about pop culture for a living. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that became one of the things that we do and our audience really appreciated it. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite of the bonuses, the bonus content. It's worth, the price of admission by itself but if you go to up to 10 bucks you get to pick an enamel pin and uh, the enamel pin for our show is a Vulcan salute and it says the greatest under it it's really good you yeah. guys have a great pin you guys have a great pin it's I'm super strap stoked. right yeah it's the strap <laughs> <laughs> last year it was a chair nice <laughs> <laughs> it was a foldable a folding chair and yeah this year it's a strap it's dope um yeah, the uh, the pins were a crazy, crazy success last year, and people were so excited that they made the network set up a thing where if they reached their goal, the enamel pins went on sale, and so many people bought enamel pins uh, on sale that the network raised $100,000 for the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. And uh, I think the plan is to do something similar this year. If, if the network hits the 25000 new and upgrading member goal, those enamel pins will be available for purchase by members, and the proceeds will also go to charity. Uh, what's the What's the next level, Adam? At the twenty dollar level, uh, we're going to unlock some knowledge for you, and that knowledge is how to make meat and cheese dip. <laughs> one of my one of my family recipes, uh, as well as Ben's famous fried chicken recipe, uh, both are priceless contributions to this cookbook danielle uh did you or the tights and fights crew uh contribute a recipe to the book i was not i was gonna give them my mom's greens um and i got a smooth veto on that one no just a smooth veto from from my mom mom. oh i love that (laughs) i love that the greens are too good for that book the, my mom was like, why are you giving out recipes? I don't, who are these people? And I was like, they're my fans and they love me and I oh, want to give I them something that. from home. And my mom was like, you know, if they want to come visit, they can come visit and I'll make them greens. Or you, can make, or you can make some for a potluck, but you don't be giving my greens recipe away. That is so hardcore. I love it. Uh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, she definitely, uh, yeah, smooth beat. Oh, and I tried with the ribs first and she just laughed at me. <laughs> I heard... Uh, I heard. I think it's uh, Helen Hong uh, has a has a ribs recipe in that book. Oh, Helen Hong is delightful. Yeah. I bet her ribs are so good. I bet they are too. Um, it sounds like with the recipes from this book, you can make a mighty feast. So there's probably a page in there that says Daniel Radford's greens, and then it, it's just blank. Page it just intentionally. Says this page intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next year, maybe I'll try. I think if they're we do still the editing again, the cookbook. Yeah. They should do that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really funny. I said, it's just a picture of my mom shaking her head. Yeah. <laughs> a, they somehow got an animated GIF into a print form. Look, Max Fun is on the edge of technology. They are. They are. They're very much. We up. will do anything for our fans. We'll figure it out. Okay, thirty-five bucks a month. You get all of the things that we have already mentioned. Plus, you get a rocket engraved juice carafe. And uh, this juice carafe you can use for all kinds of things. You could put flowers in it. You could put juice in it. You could put sunset vodka drinks in it. Hell yeah, you can. You, you can, can put, put all some kinds wine of stuff. in it. Yeah. Do that decanting. Mm-hmm. Get decanted. Yeah, you let the wine breathe. You get let it oxygenate for you know twenty minutes before you sit down to a nice steak dinner. That wine's going to be delicious. So, uh, so consider the $35 a month level. Also, you could drink that wine with something that you make from the recipe book. Yeah, exactly. So these are all compounding levels of support, and, uh, and they are all super-duper awesome. And 
I am jealous of everybody that gets this stuff. Ben, we all know that successful people listen to Maximum Fun shows. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Which means yeah. those successful people at the $50 level will get a custom metal Max Fun membership card. Much like you can use the juice carafe for anything, <laughs> uh, you can use that metal card to cut up just about anything you want. Uh, right. A, a tomato. Any kind of powder yeah. that you wanted to like separate into rail. It cleans format. easily. It cleans so easily. You could try out the magnetic strip, see if it pays for a dinner out on the town yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Just try it. If you've got the kind of budget where 50 bucks is not going to go, uh, is not going to be missed every month and you can support at that level, we really deeply appreciate it. And uh, of course, there's $100 and $200 a month levels uh, up from there. So... Uh, all of that stuff is hugely appreciated, and we really honestly cannot do the the shows that we do without your support. So go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Then, uh, you know, post about it on social media. Use the hashtag MaxFunDrive. Uh, let us know that you uh, pledged to support the show, and we will do our best to thank you in person because uh, we really... Uh, we really do appreciate it deeply. It has changed our lives for the better. Mm. Oh, man, there's nothing I love more than when I go to a show and there's, like, fans there. Yeah, I see those pins and I'm, like, I'm doling out the high fives left and right. Oh, yeah, I'm a hug machine, baby. Hell, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have been waiting. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I going to have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. 
The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. For someone worthy of our attention. What? Who are you? We've encountered them. Those Klingons? Daniela, it doesn't sound like you're as surprised as we are when uh, when we see fans of shows. <laughs> um, it's wrestling. The community is quite small, and there's basically just the one of me. I am very recognizable. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and uh, put it out there that if you're at a wrestling show and you uh, you see a chubby black lady with a long wig on, <laughs> odds are it's me. That's probably you. It's just it's it, the odds on favorite is that you've probably just seen a Danielle Radford. If you're in California, even more likely. Right on. Danielle, independent wrestling has really taken off. Do you go to indie shows? I do. Um, in fact, I need to get tickets for um, Shimmer, I think, is going to be doing something here coming up, which I'm really excited for. Um, Shimmer is an all-ladies promotion, and they have some of my absolute favorites right now, um, including Fun. Mercedes Martinez, um, who is one of my wives but doesn't know it. <laughs> One time I was at Rise. Well, she's a big fan of this, so she now she's <laughs> see. Uh, one time I was at Rise, uh, which was out here, and she was doing a hardcore match, which was amazing. And she fell right by me, and her hair smelled like hope. <laughs> just, uh, just hopes and dreams. Daniel, yeah. next time I'm in LA, I want to see wrestling with you. Dude, please, can we? Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's PWG, but there's also a lot of really good indie shows around here. Ooh, let's go to Lucha Vavum. Okay, this podcast is now just me setting up dates to go see wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, we were talking about Star Trek Discovery. I have never been to a wrestling match, but if you guys would have me, I would love to. Oh yeah, let's do it. Please, please do. Adam, we got a, uh, we had like a priority one message on Greatest Generation from a a Portland-based wrestling group did we not there is an indie circuit up here uh primarily in uh in portland super popular down there but uh yeah there's a circuit here i don't think it's probably not as substantial as what you have in southern california but look i will also big up seattle wrestling all day every day i'm from seattle and i love most of those boys um those sweet sweet three two one boys are amazing Mm -hmm. um i don't know a lot of the defy dudes but i know some of them and they're also pretty special so um yeah defy is fairly big uh in seattle Big enough to have commercials on TV and stuff. That's crazy. Uh, my friend, Professor Jake Stratton, um, a.k.a. the dude who poured coffee on Alex Jones, was part, <laughs> of, cool. an in- was part of an initiative um, to get... Because uh, wrestling still fall or still fell under like the sports commission thingy up in Seattle, where they would have a lot of rules like you would have if it was like a professional boxing match right, or MMA right. that like younger promotions just couldn't do. He was part of a team of people who was like, "This is like fight theater. We're like we're more like stuntmen, not so much MMA." Yeah. And so it got them to relax a lot of those rules. And some of them are still good rules and they should still have them. But basically, they were so restrictive that WWE was the only company that could afford to put on shows in um, in Washington. And so Jake was part of what um, what helped now. So you could have stuff like Defy and, and you can have more touring, you know, more wrestlers are able to tour the Pacific Northwest. It's a beautiful thing. The question that comes to mind for me is who would win in a Royal Rumble between the members of the Discovery crew? <laughs> oh Ooh. man i kind of think that saru he's got those kicks yeah, yeah that's, but that's I, tough to beat michael can do the vulcan death pinch that's got to be something yeah one thing one thing that i love about that series is every time she gets in fisticuffs with somebody she's constantly reaching for that neck and they're like grabbing her wrist and like keeping the, the hand <laughs> away from the neck why didn't people do that to xena remember xena had that thing where she's like <laughs> I have cut off the flow of oxygen to your brain. You will die in 30 seconds. Like, yeah. just like wear a turtleneck or like, just wear a neck brace, my yeah. guys. That's what they do in Mirror Universe. They got the metal turtle. See? Oh, is that what that's about? It's all, it's all Vulcan That is my hypothesis. 
Look, if I was in a place where I constantly had to fight Vulcans or Vulcan adjacent people, <laughs> I would definitely always be wearing a metal choker. Yeah, I just don't want it. us to move past the fact that I said the phrase Vulcan prophylaxis without acknowledging it. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. It was quite uh, <laughs> Danielle, uh, one of the things we do toward the end of every show is, uh, is select a drunk Shimoda, which you may or may not recall from the second episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, a one-off character who got super drunk and endangered the entire ship, but also had the most fun doing it. It's sort of like a, a spiritual character that we identify with most. With that in mind, was there a drunk Shimoda that you had for the Star Trek Discovery first season? Uh, someone that you identified with most or maybe that you thought was having the most fun or like someone who who you saw and was like, oh, yeah, that's me. I feel like I'm going to answer my first thing, which is just Michael. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't. It's such an obvious one. Um, but yeah, no, I got to say, I got to say, Michael, I identified with um, feeling out of place. Mm -hmm. um, I identified very heavily in whatever that actress has to do to keep that wig on. <laughs> <laughs> highly, highly identify with the wig work. Um, and the fact that Michael is so flawed and always yeah. making like... Because she is. She's incredibly flawed. But, like, I like that we've gotten to a point now where you could have the lead be a black lady and also not have to be perfect. She I love Cisco, but Cisco is a perfect person. He makes very few mistakes. Right. Um, he, he's the best dad. He's the best everything. And so it's nice to be able to have more dimension. Um, she's the first character I feel like I can remember in a long time who's like the main character of a show who's going on a very identifiable personal journey. Yeah. Like I have made a series of judgment calls that didn't, didn't have great results. Right. Even if they were like the right thing to do in the moment, they didn't have great results. And I'm like trying to figure out how I can fit into the world. Like despite like the instincts that I have in a way that actually like affects things positively. Right. Also, isn't it? I, I, I find it to be incredibly interesting. And this was a lot of the thing that also happened with the last Jedi that some people didn't appreciate, but I definitely did. But this idea that like in fiction, it's always the, you know, the person who pops off the charming rogue, the one who goes their own way and does things their own way and, and um, does things spur in the moment. And it always works out. Right. And then now you have this character where it's like, Oh no, actions have consequences. Because <laughs> I feel like while she is flawed, part of the framing of that is because her actions actually do have consequences where I feel like you could throw Captain Kirk in and have him make any of those same mistakes and he would be fine. Right. It's it just the way the writing is. It never catches up with him. Yeah. Um, and so this is the first series where it's really like, yeah, no, that cowboy shit, even if you're doing it on accident, it does not work out for you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me. As as flawed as she is as a character, another way that she is so different in the history of Star Trek is the way people hate her. You know, like there, there are many examples in Star Trek of characters not getting along with other characters, and then those characters are gone. And it's mostly like a personality trait thing. Right. Yeah. But in that third episode, when Michael interacts with other people and you just see the way that she's seen, you see how she's hated. And you see it throughout the entire first season about how people don't trust her. That is such a foreign idea to have in a Star Trek show. Yeah, she's the McNulty of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's right. Yeah. So that makes Lorca Lieutenant Daniels and <laughs> Tilly is uh Belusky. <laughs> Tilly's bunk. Oh, Tilly's, Tilly's the bunk. bunk. She's gotta be bunk. A man has got to have a code. <laughs> <laughs> this is but so no. fucking cool. <laughs> but yeah, no, like in the, yeah, in that same way that like people don't trust McNulty because everything he does, even if he's right, it makes their lives and their jobs yeah. harder. Yeah. Um, it took him five seasons to like grow up a little bit though, and Michael Burnham is like his like way further along. Oh, she's on the advanced track for yeah. sure. <laughs> it's space, man. You ain't got time to fuck around. <laughs> and there's a war. God, the McNulty as Michael Burnham thing is just galaxy braining me right now. I, <laughs> I need to hold on to my desk. That is, that is fire. That is hot fire. <laughs> well, Daniel Radford, it has been such a, a treat to have you here on the show. Oh, thank you. It's been um, so much fun. How do people get Tights and Fights, the podcast? 
Um, we come out every Thursday wherever you download your podcasts. How um, convenient, because this show comes out on Tuesday, and our other two shows come out on Monday and Friday, so there's a nice oh, slot in there for nice. people to download Tights and Fights. Just go in there and get you a little Tightsy Fightsies, and in fact... Would you say that it's like a really fun show to listen to, whether or not you care about wrestling? That's what I've been told by listeners. There's a lot of listeners who are like, yeah, I don't care about wrestling at all. I just like hanging out. I like hanging out with you guys and you guys make me laugh. Yeah. Um, and that's really nice. I, I I encourage you to listen to the show whether you watch wrestling or not. I was previously like, why would anyone listen to this if they don't like... But for me, it's also sometimes I'm having so much fun in there that I forget that we're doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm just hanging out with my buds, which is great until a fan's like, hey, Danielle, I love your enthusiasm. But like, <laughs> sometimes I think you forget that you're... Rec- and I'm like, no, I do. I 100% forget that I'm recording because I'm having a really good time. <laughs> Uh, well, we've had a really good time with you here today. Do, do you have like a Twitter and Instagram pe- that people can follow? Too? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you can just find me at Danielle Radford on Twitter. You can also find me um, on also on Thursdays as um, I am the kind of audience surrogate for movie fights on Screen Junkies. Um, I also usually do the morning show for Screen Junkies on Thursdays. You can find me in a lot of different places. Please follow my Instagram, Danielle underscore Radford. I'm trying to get to that magical 10,000 that unlocks these sponsorships. Trying to get some free fat lady clothes. So if you would like to follow me there. That is a noble goal. (laughs) You would be doing me. uh, You'd you'd be doing me a lot of good. And I promise like my feed is usually just like selfies or me doing something very stupid. We recently went to the Grand Canyon and a deer ate Danielle's dress. And and dear eight, my I still can't wear. I can't wear that dress. I tried to take it home and fix it. There you know was what's no. really weird. I was I was making a, a a Twitter thread about friendly fire the other day, and I was looking for uh, Rambo gifs, and I was like using the Twitter gif search engine, and if you type in Rambo, you show up in there. And it's you wearing that dress that that deer ate. And it's like, what? Like, it doesn't have anything to do oh, with man, Rambo. rest in peace, dress. I, you lived a good life. Yeah, you, you, it's it's immortalized in gift form. I just, I look real banging in that dress. And so you I wind up. It. You look I great in everything. Wind up, I wound up wearing it a lot. Um, that thing's got to get a Viking burial, I think. Yeah, RSVP the dress. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming in. So uh, this is our last episode of Greatest Discovery for the Max Fun Drive. Is that right, Adam? I believe that's the case. Unless we come up with another super fun idea. Yeah, well, so I think um, there may be more bonus content forthcoming. Right. Uh, but we've had we've been having conversations with the network. I think it sort of depends on how our show does in the max fun drive but we might want to consider a more definite release schedule for the show and that might mean more episodes than we were initially thinking so um you know we're in the off season right now it's not going to be weekly but um but your support is really going to like uh make a big uh impact on our decision making about how uh how we treat the off season with this show in particular it's a real hostage situation so maximumfun.org slash donate and uh how do we end this usually (laughs) i'm totally blanking oh we just throw to rob and he ends it that's why that's right uh so we'll let rob take it from here and he will give you one last impassioned plea because this is how he gets paid too Hey everyone, Rob Schulte here, the producer of The Greatest Discovery. I just wanted to break the fourth wall once more to say thanks to everyone who has donated during the Max Fun Drive. It's really going to keep the lights on here at The Greatest Discovery, which I'm happy about. Also, if you haven't yet donated, now's the perfect time. Max Fun Drive is still going on. You can get all of those awesome rewards. You just need to go to MaximumFun.com slash donate. Make sure to tick off the greatest discovery, and we'll keep making good pods. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.